Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 80 for Monday, March 16th, 2020. My name is Joel Duggan, and joining me, as always, is Johnny, but you may know him better as Pixel Riffs. Hello, sir. Hello, and there are a greater number of people in the world than there were previously now also referring to me as Dungeon Master. We just had a good Ooh. chat about my start of my D&D campaign in The Render Distance, along with an interesting kind of entomological study of Canada and certain regions of North America. We talked birds about... Birds and the bees, not the, what you think, though. <laughs> the, birds, the birds and the bugs, at least. Um, <laughs> and if you want to get The Render Distance, the extended version of the show, you can listen in at Patreon patreon.com slash the spawn chunks by becoming a member and getting the patron only rss feed so here we are another week down and lots of minecraft under our belts what have you been up to in minecraft this week joel i had a few big old weekend streams from the city on the citadel made a lot of progress had a great help from alistair yesterday getting started uh, a solid start on the waterfront and the pier uh, for those of you that don't know, um, Halifax, uh, the city that I uh, live across from, has a really large waterfront area uh, filled with shops and restaurants, and you can just go walk it. It's a public space. Mm -hmm. uh, and lots of new changes to that happening uh, lately. So I was trying to create something like that in this city in Minecraft that still doesn't have a name, by the way. Um, and uh, at first I was going to run the logs lengthwise, and then I ended up dialing things back, and we, we have like perpendicular. So as you're walking over the planks... Um, they are running uh, across your path, not not parallel with it, um, and it looks a lot better. And uh, it is very hard to design walls in Minecraft. Fences, you know, you can kind of just use the fence posts, but to design a wall or a guardrail and not have it be one meter thick, yeah. <laughs> your options are limited, Yeah, especially if you don't want it to be a very repetitive-looking thing. Uh, and so I, I sat on it for a while and it took me a couple hours to kind of get it right. We designed it live on stream and that's always fun. I, I, it's, a, it's a little time consuming, but it is kind of nice. I had a nice compliment in the chat. People saying like, it's really cool to see like the design process happening and realizing that, you know, I'm not the only one that takes like 90 minutes to sort the stuff out. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, it's a lot of trial and error. You know, Minecraft is great that you can just, it, it's got an undo button. Like you can mine any block away and just start over. Um, the harder thing for me is that I get so persnickety about lining things up, you know, like the the center of the boulevard lines up with the pier and yeah. like trying to get all things so it doesn't look really off base. Um, but at the same time, cities are not all built at once, right? So you, you want to have that sort of organic nature to it where like just because you've built this guardrail... And the center of the guardrail doesn't line up with the road. Well, that's probably how it would happen in real life too. Like it's just it's this weird kind of organizational thing that I have to break my mind from when I'm working in mm -hmm. in Minecraft. Um, then we moved on to elevators because I like to switch things up. Usually, when a you know a three or four hour stream, I like to kind of like halfway through, I'll be like, all right, well we're done with the waterfront. I'm done looking at stripped dark oak for now. Let's go to white concrete and some technical stuff. And uh, I want to give a shout out to Sam who wrote into um, the spawn chunks uh, to suggest waterlogged chests at the base of the vine drops that were not working mm -hmm. uh, as a way to i had used slabs but then you still have a half block of water to get out of yeah with slabs you're only or with chests you're only standing in two pixels of water so it doesn't actually affect you it doesn't like slow uh, you down your movement no at all. no it doesn't which is nice 
Um, which leads me to wonder, uh, if you had a water path that was all waterlogged chests, granted that would be very expensive, and you had Depth Strider, could you just bolt down that at like <laughs> ludicrous speed? Like that would be That is a good um, question. And something yeah, we will get back that. to in the news as well, because there are yes. there are there are innovations being made in uh, <laughs> the, the speed of you know, on yep. foot transport in this game. But, and I so. realize it has completely spoiled my joke too. Oh, that's uh, a shame. No worries. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, stay tuned for joke part two. Uh, one of the things that I have been having issue with is uh, these vine drops and they will work inconsistently from um, 13 or 14 blocks and above. Uh, and then uh, one one drop in particular, which is about 20 or so, always works. Mm -hmm. uh, anything that's a seven block drop or 10 block drop always works. The ones from the top of the building, which is a hundred and something blocks never work. So we had to do something because I was dying constantly um, for science. It was actually quite amusing um, to try and sort out these vine drops. I've tried a double vine doesn't work uh, in terms of like a vine space vine, and then you're landing. Uh, I have not tried something thicker, like three vines in a row just just to kind of see if it is client side lag then like location of the player then um having the game catch up and be just like that's it's strange but all reports from uh people that i've i've talked to are inconsistent i had somebody in my discord chime in and say you know anything above 28 and i am getting i'm not getting caught and anything below 21 i am getting caught mm -hmm. uh, but i've got drops on the server that are 60 80 blocks uh into a into a mine and down to my ender ender like from the from the end island down to y1 like that's 60 blocks so it's inconsistent and i don't exactly know why um so for now i'm going into water and people are like well what's the big deal why not just put water or um, signs and water at the bottom. Uh, it's the splash noise. I, and I'm just being picky. I, it's kind of one of those things where like, I don't have to do it this way. I just really want to do it this way and it should work and it's not. And that's where I'm getting a little bit um, perplexed. Um, also, currently, while the, the chests are probably the best solution at the moment, um, the bottom of the ele elevators look like storm drains, which is not ideal yeah. in terms of me trying to design a lobby. Um, one drop is hidden. You don't actually see it, but the other drop, the public drop is, is very much in the middle of the lobby. So, um, that's not the greatest. So yeah. I, I don't know. I, I may end up doing signs and water blocks to kind of figure things out. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I do know, uh, have elevators hooked up to all the essential floors first second and concrete maker as well as the roof uh boy is it boring when you go yeah. up 130 blocks in a bubble elevator yeah yeah <laughs> so they're, there's they're, not they're a lot not to as, do they're not as fast as you think they are when you have to go quite that distance mm -hmm. it's still better than having to use rockets because rockets are either one is not enough and two is too many you know yeah so there is that issue um the other thing that I'm still trying to figure out, and I would love some input from the community, is um, when you get out of a water elevator, what is the most convenient way to stop yourself from like, you know, that constant bounce that you have on the top water block? Um, sometimes you can luck out and if you're paying attention and you press forward, you can kind of like hop off and you're just, you're just like, boop, and you're done. Mm -hmm. But other times with Elytra, I find lately it just, sometimes you can catch yourself and it doesn't really work all that well. So if anybody has any tips for what to put above your head, when you land uh, so far i've got three empty blocks and then on the top block there is a trapdoor that's closed so it's flat um so you kind of hit your head on the trapdoor you kind of go one two and i guess three quarters of a block mm -hmm. and then you kind of bop your head and come out 
Um, I don't know whether lower is better, whatever, let me know. Um, so yeah, uh, everything else is just coming together slowly but surely poking at different design things. Um, it's, I love working in the city. It's been a lot of fun. Frustrations with textures aside, there is just always something to do. You know, yeah. like there's an elevator needs do doing or you feel like working on the waterfront, great, that needs help. You know, like you want to do some land clearing or just you just want to ch chat and fill in a hole, you can do that too. Like so there's, it's been really fun. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I, I highly recommend it to people to, to give, give it a go. If you're looking for something challenging in Minecraft, designing a modern city is definitely the, the way to go. Yeah, and if you want to work with modern city aesthetics as well, I can totally understand why you don't want to have you know waterlogged chests at the bottom of those it kind of it breaks yeah. the uh, immersion a little bit to well, just be like that's not something you would typically see in the average government building yeah. lobby or whatever and i had this question on on chat uh on twitch the other day uh like how come you don't have piston elevators and stuff like that and so the the, the mentality that i'm going with it because I, I take so much inspiration from lego and lego builds yeah i also really liked the lego movie uh, and I liked in the Lego movie that the citizens of the, the Lego city were still being, they could still take things apart. Like they could just yeah. completely take a car apart, make the blocks into something else and turn like a, you know, a camper van into a Ferrari. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of want to operate the Minecraft city that I'm building on the same way. Water columns are just going to be the easiest way. Bubble columns are just going to be the easiest way to make elevators that are more reliable. They're in game. Like they, you don't have to worry about like server lag for like piston ticks. Also, wow would it take a long time to take an elevator up via piston yeah um so i'm just operating going forward on this kind of technology and this imaginary world exists so this is how people get from top to bottom don't ask me how they dry off <laughs> when they get to the top i don't mm -hmm. know um maybe they just maybe it's not really water maybe it's some sort of weird liquid but i don't know whatever it is that we're just, we're, we're kind of ignoring that just for the con convenience of it and it does sort of add like a futuristic kind of look to the modern city like it keeps it clean and lots of blue columns everywhere like it's it does sort of work if, not, uh, if nothing else it's like the futurama vision of the future where everyone's traveling via vacuum tubes whatever you yeah, can like post yourself around the city basically yeah it, it, that's kind of the thing oh man how cool would it be if bubble columns went horizontally <laughs> i would enjoy right? that you know like you just you know jump jump in and just be like i'm gonna go this way and then shoop, <laughs> yeah. away you go uh that would be fantastic bubble um, columns yeah, from so the side of blocks get on it mojang Oh man, uh, I'm just I'm adding that to my list to an email response later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's it for me. I mean, it's it's been a busy week, uh, lots of work, S progress, but it's still baby steps in the city. But I'm having a lot of fun. What have you been up to in in Minecraft? Uh, so in Skyblock, I fought the dragon. It went um, <laughs> it went poorly for a, a, a section of it. I did end up losing all of my stuff through a silly mistake. I placed a water bucket to try and catch myself jumping off one of the towers um and i didn't die on that occasion i think i may even have i may have missed the water bucket but that was fine and it did one of those things where i thought um i had right clicked on the water source to pick it up with the bucket and the bucket seemed to fill but it did that one of those like instant double click actions so it replaced the water source where it was and so i thought i had a full bucket of water in my hotbar but i didn't and then when the dragon threw me up into the air, as it frequently does when I came down to attack it around the bedrock portal, it shot me so far into the air I knew I was going to die on impact, so I tried to fumble the other water bucket I had back into my hotbar. 
and I thought when I, I landed, I didn't manage to place it in time, but I thought that in the instant I had died, I'd also placed a water bucket. I came back through to the end, saw a water source trailing off of the edge of the island and thought, okay, I've just accidentally washed all of my items into the void. And it turned mm. out I hadn't. <laughs> so I thought oh, I picked no. up that water source earlier, but I hadn't. And my items were actually on the opposite side of the island. But in the heat of the moment, I had no idea how to differentiate between the two. It was just that kind of adrenaline rush and I can only see things once. And then I had a bunch of people on my um, on the comments of a video saying, yeah, you clearly left your items over there. But then, you know, with the luxury of being able to pause and rewind stuff, you can quite clearly see I don't land in the same area. Um <sighs> So yeah, that was oh, no. that was unfortunate, but thankfully it is Skyblock and I've got the infrastructure to get those, you know, diamond gear and stuff in the first place, except that a bunch of my villagers had mysteriously disappeared <laughs> from the area where they were trading and I lost my armorer, toolsmith and weaponsmith. So I spent a bit of time getting those back before I went out and raided the outer end, but I, I eventually came back to the end with some other gear and uh, and beat the dragons so that was not the not the end of the world and now i got uh, i got a very easy access to an end city which was really good i found an end city within about you know 200 blocks of the portal that i went through um mm. on the sort of south side of the end so that was really great found elytra from that got myself some shulker boxes got some diamonds some actual raw diamonds which this is the only way to get them in skyblock is to find diamonds as loot in end cities uh, so with that, I've been able to set up my own enchantment table, which was one of the sort of progression roadblocks that Skyblock throws at you uh, that has now been resolved by being able to get diamonds that way. So I'm now able to enchant the gear however I want. I can use a grindstone to remove the enchantments and put new ones on. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking a little bit better set up. So upcoming objectives for Skyblock include building all the farms, uh, probably building some aesthetic stuff as well. I like the idea of having some sort of town in the sky and not just making it a technical playthrough. So I'm going to focus a little bit more on that in upcoming episodes. But now, tech-wise, I'm at the point where I have shulker boxes so I can move inventory around a lot more easily. And projects like that become more about, you know, how can I quickly acquire resources so I can then build a bunch of cool stuff with them. Uh, outside of yeah. that, I have been mapping a huge area of the Minecraft survival guide world because I got the idea in my head and a few people had requested this to map out every location in the overworld that I had already been to and built something. Um, and that ended up being surprisingly small amounts of my world. Like if you, if you scale out the maps to the biggest size, which covers 2000 blocks square um it's 128 by 128 chunks and if you think a chunk is a 16 block area that's um it's a lot of chunks and so i did that and my main kind of town the sort of central location where i built my base takes up about maybe like five or six pixels on the, oh my the on a map at the larger scale it is tiny on that map and by mapping out the areas in between all of the places that I had been to and built, you know, farms and this mountain project mm -hmm. that I'm working on now and a couple of other things like the Guardian farm and uh, the factory I built on the Mushroom Islands to get all of the suspicious stew and so forth. It was an eye-opener because there is so much of this world that feels untouched, even though it feels like I've done so much already. It's one of those moments where if you have one of those existential crisis things where you consider how tiny we are in the scope of the world and then how tiny the world is in the scope of the universe and you start to feel weirdly insignificant, I kind of got that from this. And this is only yeah. a 6,000 by 6,000 area that I've actually fully comprehensively mapped out now. 
and the Minecraft world is 60 billion blocks wide from end to end, <laughs> or, or 60 million rather than billion. But, but yeah, it's um, it, it feels very humbling almost to realize how much of this world you have not touched at all and how little of it you've really covered. Besides that, 6,000 by 6,000 blocks, if you multiply 6,000 by itself, you get 36 million. So I have still basically looked at 36 million blocks worth of area in my world, which seems unfathomable to me. And the map itself looks really cool. I've got banner markers on each of the projects uh, using that feature where you right-click on a named banner and it pops up on the map. So now I have an overview map of where stuff is in my world. And the mountains look tiny. It's really quite funny up, the, up there in the snow biome. But anything that is covered in snow just looks white from the top down at that point. Yeah. So maybe I'm not seeing yeah. as much of it as I've actually built. But so much of that is based in verticality. And that's the kind of thing that doesn't show up super well on these maps. So despite the amount of effort I've put into that whole mountain range project so far, it does seem a little bit small on this giant map now. Have you put the survival guide into any of those... Um like cg mapping tools like the ones that have like an isometric view like overviewer or whatever i have not yeah. uh, i have not yet and um i probably will at some point in future just for fun i've definitely put it through mca selector a few times just mm -hmm. to kind of trim chunks and stuff like that and that is something i'll be doing again for the upcoming nether update and we'll be talking a bit more about that i think there's an email related to that a little later but mm -hmm. um yeah it is interesting having the the capacity to kind of zoom in and out and, and stuff like that. But no, I haven't done anything to render it in an external program quite yet. I used a mapping tool called Amidst, which I think mm -hmm. is specifically for Java. And um, man, uh, it was very useful for just searching new biomes and having a very clear view because I don't think I went to the effort of changing colors, but I think you can. Uh, and so some of the Minecraft colors for certain biomes is a little bit strange to me. And, and so with Amidst, the default colors in the midst were just a little bit better in terms of like deserts are yellow, not orange, mm -hmm. st stuff like that. And um, it was fascinating to kind of look at the size and scale of the world and see like, wow, that is a huge tundra area. Like that would be a really cool place to build like a Viking city because like you would really be seeing snow as far as the game could render. Like, the, you know, you wouldn't be like, oh, and there's a jungle right there. You know, yeah. like it just, it wouldn't be any kind of immersion breaking and stuff like that. That's why um, I picked but... the location for the ski resort was just those, yeah. the snow biomes are like that. There are differences in the sub biomes within a snow plains. There's kind of like, there's frozen lakes, there's frozen rivers, there's, mm -hmm. um, you know, technically there's kind of snow tundra hills um, but a lot of them just look like they are part of the same landscape whereas if you build in a plains then you have a swamp and some mountains nearby and the grass color changes and everything starts to look less coherent than it does when you're in the middle of a massive snowy area so yeah, uh, yeah I, that's why i picked the location i did for this mountain project because i knew it was going to be a big build that needed uh surroundings that made it feel immersive yeah the the medieval fantasy district on on the citadel it was chosen because it's a huge plains biome right next to some mountains. On the other side of the mountains is a huge frozen tundra biome. And then on the other side of the plains is a big swamp. Yeah. So like you could have like the creepy swamp. You could have, there's also like a dark oak forest. So you could have like a, a, wo a heavy wooded area. Uh, there's lots of taiga everywhere uh, on the other side of the plains. But then if you wanted to get into like, you know, the, 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 um, 
icy, you know, frozen sort of idea of fantasy, then you could easily do that too. So mm-hmm. it, it provides a lot of opportunity. And uh, for us, uh, I think we tweaked the biomes on Citadel to be smaller than average. Yeah. Um, decision that made sense at the time. Now that I've had more experience in Minecraft, I don't know if I'd do that again. Um, but it means that when you can find a large biome, it tends to be like, oh, wow, yes, let's build in this one. Mm-hmm. Mine the small desert, but keep the giant desert for vistas yeah. and expanse and things like that. Definitely. Well, speaking of uh, expanding, <laughs> we've, got, uh, we've got a new snapshot this week. Uh, Minecraft snapshot 20W11A. And there's a big old asterisk at the top of this. Before we dive into this snapshot, a word about redstone uh we won't really dive into the details here you'll have the link in the show notes to go to minecraft.net and read it for yourself essentially they're fixing some things about redstone and giving everybody a heads up that in the process of fixing things other things might break including undefined features of redstone that people have come to know as features or consistent behavior uh those may change it is not the intention that those are going to break but because it's such a delicate system, they will. So be prepared for things changing over the next little while as they ramp through the uh, small things that they're changing about redstone to yeah. make it better. It then might trickle down and affect something that you really enjoy. Uh, there's an additional um, word on this that I think you can speak to uh, from Slice Lion on Reddit yes. as well. Um, yeah, before your alarm bells ring and you cancel Minecraft because they're removing quasi-connectivity or whatever, that, because the, when they say undefined features, those are typically the things that more technical players tend to exploit for cool stuff. Uh, and, and a lot of piston contraptions work in Java edition at least, based on rules like quasi-connectivity, which are not necessarily hard and fast coded in rules, but they are fairly consistent redstone behavior. It's a bug, but a bug that works the same a lot of the time. And a lot of people, when they saw this, were immediately concerned that that was going to be uh, something that they were thinking of fixing and homogenizing redstone to the extent that I think people see Minecraft Bedrock Redstone as. It's too predictable and some of the quirks that provide some of the more interesting behaviors in redstone just wouldn't be there uh slice line went into this on reddit and said a lot of you seem to be reacting with panic the idea isn't to make any drastic changes it's more that this whole redstone footnote or kind of header note i guess because it's right at the top of the, the change log is to um to kind of clarify that when they are making changes to clear up some of the redstone code some of the stuff like that is going to break but the idea is that they're going to make things better overall and the alternative is to not touch anything redstone related and just have that code sit there not getting any better while everything else around it was improving which could potentially lead to even more stuff breaking uh, so the the goal is to make sure that bugs get fixed. He says, with a TLDR at the bottom, we're not removing quasi-connectivity or anything drastic. Just expect that things will sometimes break and need to be reverted. We're not breaking stuff on purpose. The system is just complex and fragile. So this kind of follows up on something I was hoping was going to come out of this, which is that they are effectively planning on codifying certain redstone behavior that is currently not hard-coded into the game. Uh, So stuff like Piston Quasi-Connectivity might end up being a feature rather than a convenient bug. And so there there are knock-on implications for that in terms of how redstone behaves in other versions of the game as well, because if Java Edition gets 
quasi-connectivity that is intentional through code, then there is potentially the chance of that appearing in bedrock editions of the game as well, because there is, you know, a precedent for them having coded it in another version of Minecraft. No confirmation on that yet, just my personal take on it, my personal speculation. But the idea that they want you to take away from this is that in the snapshots especially, you will start to see some redstone stuff not functioning the way it should. Don't panic, it will get fixed later. And they've been very good at communicating with technical players in recent days, so hopefully that's the way that relationship intends to continue. Exactly. Uh, new features in 20W11A. Added soul speed enchantment. Added twisting vines that grow upwards. Nether gold ore can now be found in the nether. It's just like gold ore, but more nethery. Soul speed is the uh, new enchantment that never allows you to never suffer again from drudging through soul sand valleys. Soul speed has you covered. Shine your boots of choice with this soul sucking enchantment to speed around on soul sand and soul soil. Tongue twister. They did this to us on purpose. <laughs> I'm pretty sure um, that, yeah, just, just to trip up yeah, podcasters specifically. Podcasters and, and people and, and YouTubers and stuff. For we sure. feel victimized. It's a threat. Yeah. <laughs> there is a downside, however. Enchantments will slowly degrade your boots. Each soul block you walk on can only be obtained by bartering with these pesky piglins. Sorry, that the enchantment can only be obtained by bartering with those pesky piglins. Uh, other changes in 20W11A. Bone meal can now be used to grow kelp weeping vines and twisting vines i thought they were twisted vines but i guess it's twisting vines my mm -hmm. bad um hoes are now the appropriate tool for mining hay makes sense target blocks dried kelp blocks shroom lights nether wart blocks and warped wart blocks doors rails buttons pressure plates redstone and more can now be placed on soul sand and a full block of snow layers soul sand with a roll uh, sorry a rail on top will no longer slow down minecarts TNT and campfires will now ignite when hit by any burning projectile. Bells will now ring when hit with any projectile. There are a number of other fixed bugs they list in full on Minecraft.net. Uh, we picked out a few that I think are worthy of note. Uh, that you can't place doors, rails, buttons, pressure plates, and stuff on soul sand. Crying obsidian was movable by obsistin, uh, by pistons. It is now not. <laughs> I just said obsistons as in like obsidian pistons. <laughs> that's that was a, that's that the was a, upgraded a, piston, the obsistons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the piston that can't move itself. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Why? Because it's made of obsidian. It's immovable. Uh, crying obsidian can be harvested only with, uh, used to be harvested with any pickaxe. That's now back to being regular obsidian-like. Uh, crying obsidian can be destroyed by the ender dragon, so it cannot be destroyed by the ender dragon anymore interesting uh missing sound for uh, the smithing table was added back in and end gateways don't work using ender pearls they now do so those are the uh, bugs i thought were worth noting this week yeah um and there's a lot to be said about the soul speed enchantment um there's I, I, we both made the same joke in the show notes before you made it earlier on in the episode is ludicrous speed is now possible <laughs> anyone who's seen uh, Spaceballs will probably get that reference but yeah it's yes. um it's it's crazy like there's the soul speed enchantment does allow you to move incredibly fast just on its own on soul sand and once again it's one of those things like depth strider that has three tiers soul speed one two and three only obtainable via trading with piglins and i'm not certain i haven't really looked into the snapshot features here whether they give you soul speed one and then you have to combine a bunch of books or if they just randomly give you a book with a certain level of the enchantment on it but um in addition to uh, increasing your speed when you're walking on soul sand. And soul soil, I believe, didn't slow you down at all before. 
so I'm not certain if Soul Soil is even faster than it is on Soul Sand. But this effect stacks with Depth Strider, <laughs> which is the weirdest thing. So you end up, if you have Soul Sand with water over the top of it, you can now just travel at warp speed on foot with both enchantments on a set of boots, which is mad looking. If you look at, um, Ilmango did a video on this, and I'm pretty sure yep. Methods and Doc M had similar videos as well. You can, you can go incredibly fast. It's, it's not quite as fast, I believe. Somebody did a, a, a massive table of all of the ways you could travel. It's not quite as fast as, um, attaching a lead to a dolphin and swimming behind it with Dolphin's Grace, but it is close. It feels close at the time, just because of how fast the point of view of your travel is going and yeah. it's leaving minecarts in the dust <laughs> so once again oh man i feel like minecarts are getting the short shrift here and hopefully something will be done to improve the state of minecarts in the near future because despite their uses for transporting stuff around like mobs and being able to afk and stuff minecarts are slowly becoming the least efficient form of transport compared to some of these other things yeah uh we're talking hundreds of thousands of meters per second yeah for perspective in a real world sort of idea the speed of sound is 334 meters per second <laughs> i think i got that numbered right so that's that's like sonic boom like superman you know down away you go uh and this is several <laughs> several thousand times that mm -hmm. um but the um uh the speed of light is much faster so we're not quite at like star trek level in in minecraft yet but if we're, anybody's going to figure it out, it's going to be the Minecraft guy. We're at least going Mach five and higher at this point, which is <laughs> is weapons yeah. grade. I'm 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 very excited by this, and I imagine I, it will get a bit of a nerf, or it won't yeah. stack with Depth Strider by the yeah. time the final release comes out, because this seems a little OP. Um, yeah. But it's still fun to play around with while it lasts. Yeah, I I agree. I th I think too that. I was disappointed because I logged in. And I thought, well, maybe there's going to be this little bug. Like, what if with the combination of uh, Soul Speed and rails on both soul sand and soul soil maybe the game won't think that you're in a minecart and maybe propel you a little bit faster i thought oh maybe that's going to be the new speed for minecarts nope doesn't work yeah so it's, it's disappointing and uh, sidebar um <laughs> my Ma minecraft for mac if anybody out there is playing on a mac write in and let us know how your experience is being because right now i'm finding it very difficult even to just poke around in a snapshot mm. uh and fly around in creative it's really choppy i've i've added a bug i've i've sent in all the information uh but i i can't seem to fix it even optifying doesn't seem to help out uh so um i'm kind of lucky uh, if i didn't have my pc up and running i wouldn't be playing minecraft at all and this has been going on for weeks yeah uh so uh yeah i'm curious as to how um snapshots are affecting performance for people that are on on mac because it's it's something we used to talk about a lot on the show because that was my only gaming platform but now that i'm on a pc uh, because it's more reliable for streaming um i haven't been noticing as much until i go to do some development work or some research for the podcast because my mac is my main pc for like work stuff yeah uh, and podcasting so anyway i'm just i'm curious i wanted to kind of give that a, a shout out for people to, to write in if you are a mac user and you potentially either have a solution for me or you're experiencing the same thing uh twisted vines and weeping vines being able to be bone mealed uh will certainly make nether travel a lot easier not to mention more aesthetic i love the look of the twisting vines yeah yeah i think those are a really good addition they're kind of the warped forest equivalent of the weeping vines so they travel sort of upwards from the ground mm -hmm. and once again adds to that flavor of warped forests being a little bit off kilter and strange and that's where the endermen all hang out so you know that some physics is going to be a little bit weird there 
and I like the fact that they are sort of vines that grow up from the ground. I assume they can only be placed in though not necessarily in those biomes but maybe on nylium or something i'm not certain what the, I, the growth uh, yeah conditions i didn't are. check uh because my time in the snapshot was so brief because of the whole mac bug that I, I just didn't i didn't check that but yeah it would you'd have to i guess creatively if you wanted to put twisting vines in an overworld build like a creepy forest or something like that it's possible even if you have to bring nylium up with you you could potentially hide that bottom block you know like yeah. just kind of put it one below the surface and have have your your twisting vines look like they're coming out of the ground completely you know mm -hmm. like it could it could be really cool you know i'm thinking about all kinds of different applications like you know maybe you've got like some alien asteroid that's crashed into your overworld and there's these weird growth things coming out of it and out of the out of the crater like there could be all kinds of really fun stuff not to mention that you can climb them um i feel like the bone mealing while I don't think it's OP for weeping vines and twisting vines, because do we? There's no drill drop; they just drop themselves, right? There's no other use for those yet. Yeah. If there is going to be another use, um, however, kelp, of course, is fuel. It can be made into blocks. It can be made into uh, food. It can be made into uh, fuel for your furnaces. And so, bone milling that and getting five, six, or more um, kelp growth out of a single bone meal considering how quick it is to get a lot of kelp already i don't necessarily know if that's a good thing i feel like that might be a little bit op it's consistent behavior considering that kelp weeping vines and twisting vines all look and sort of behave behave in similar fashions um although you can't climb kelp now that you really need to uh what do you think do you think that bone mealing kelp is going to be a little bit op I can see it being incredibly helpful to me in certain situations, like when you're trying to build a column of water nice and quickly, and just being able to bone meal the kelp instead of placing it all the oh, way up yeah, would be kind true. of nice. But that is mm -hmm. the only way in which I am happy about that change, I feel. I don't know if I want it to be bone mealable. I've, I've certainly tried to do it in the past and then realized you can't, but then I just think, oh, okay, I have to go and get some more kelp then. And given the abundance of it in oceans and the fact that once you make a decent sized farm it might be easy enough just to acquire it that way i think the compacting of that kind of farm is almost like it's 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 taking away the necessity to build something big and impressive and interesting and just micro you know nano farming it at this point might potentially yeah. be a problem although there is still the trade off of course of having to acquire enough bone meal in the first place i don't know how kelp ends up getting into um composters I, I think it's got a fairly low composting rate so you wouldn't be able to have a self-sustaining kelp farm where it produces more bone meal than it uses to grow the plants um so that's balanced at least but then ah, that might be a scale thing I've, I've given what i've seen at the current state i think you probably could yeah anecdotally maybe, maybe. not no no scientific evidence no research just just like a feeling of that i think you could probably do that yeah but then i think the the trade-off is always going to be how you acquire the bone meal in the first place and as somebody who doesn't afk at mob farms all that often i don't have a great deal of bones um and and there, there's some that i prefer to just use for bone blocks for builds and stuff like right, that so yeah. it, it really depends how much bone meal you're willing to sacrifice on having another farm that is grown super quickly and in my experience once you've got a certain amount of kelp you don't really need it for all that much after that i mean yes it's it's fuel and some people are using it as fuel and especially if um the zero tick growth bug has now been fixed according to the bug tracker uh, i saw some people tweeting about that earlier this week um, it's not going to be possible to zero tick bamboo to be able to grow that for infinite fuel like I'm currently doing with my cobblestone generator right now. So it will certainly be the case that people are looking for more accessible fuel sources again. 
uh, that don't just involve generating a ton of resources out of nothing. So oh, I, I had that question. Is that a thing? They're actually stopping the zero tick thing? I don't know if zero ticking pistons is going away entirely, but Cubfan tweeted something about how zero tick farms had been nerfed and said that there was a an article on the, the bug tracker that actually said uh, zero ticking behavior was going to go away. I think it may just be the effect it has on crop growth. Uh, specifically uh, on you know cactus, sugarcane, on those kind of multiple height uh, plants, um, it seems to have this weird effect where yeah, if you you know zero tick something in front of it three or four times or underneath it three or four times, it adds a growth stage to the plant, and that's less logical than I think it just moving blocks around at high speed. So I don't right. know if the piston behavior is necessarily going away, but I think its effect, the on, effect on growing plants. stuff might yeah. be. Um, that, yeah, that, again, that does I, kind of make sense. It, it's akin to waving of... your hand over a house plant and having it grow. Yeah, effectively, yes. <laughs> right? um, <laughs> I, I, I don't have a whole heap of research in this, so if anybody knows more about that aspect, of course, feel free to you know add us on Twitter or send an email into the show clarifying what that means. Because mm-hmm. um, I mean, searching the bug tracker is occasionally kind of difficult, so I haven't really done the digging required to find yeah. out how much zero ticking behavior is changing or if it's going away entirely. But uh, yeah, I would assume that. You know, the bone meal is a, a valid option in, in those cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, changes to crying obsidian to me suggest that uh, we may in fact see it in the end dimension. Yeah, I mean, if it's not going to be destroyed by the dragon, I feel like that's it, it could just be changes to make it more consistent with existing obsidian blocks. But then mm-hmm. if it can't be destroyed by the dragon for a start, it gives you the option to decorate the end with it if you acquire some yourself. But yeah. yeah, it might be kind of cool. And if that means, along with the nether, that you could then set your spawn in the end point as well, presuming that Crying Obsidian is going to be a spawn-setting obelisk as originally intended, then that's kind of cool, because for a start, it would be kind of nice to be able to set your spawn point in the end in case you die in an end city. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, the, the, there's potential for that to lead to people making more established bases in the end. And uh, yeah, that that might be kind of interesting when trying to leave the end, though. <laughs> That's my only concern because the uh, the, the <laughs> leaving the end via the portal t- transports you back to your spawn point, which right now can only be in the overworld. But if you go to the end portal and your spawn is set in the end, you can't leave until you break that spawn point. <laughs> so mm. so that might be a little bit of a problem. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll see how that ends up. And if uh, you can't set your spawn in the end, then fair enough um i wonder i wonder if um there could be a way uh, similar to how like if uh, something is obstructing your bed you know then then you get sent back to spawn um that happened to me yeah, <laughs> this weekend yeah, totally. uh i think um i wonder if there's something that you could do like maybe if the uh, the crying obsidian was like underwater it wouldn't work you know so if you could put a bucket of water on the top of it it would nullify it you know yeah and that 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 could be you know you with a dispenser that could be either automated or at least with the press of a button you could like turn your spawn point on and off uh if you did want to leave the nether you'd have to remember to do it <laughs> yeah which would be a little bit tricky and maybe it can um, be programmed to be circumstantial so if you're going like through a death, portal yeah, yeah like it, it's only death that brings you back to the yeah. obsidian one whereas yeah. you know if you if you're leaving via a portal you end up back at your overworld bed i don't know I'm not certain how that's going to work yet, but it'll be interesting to see that unfold in the weeks to come. Um, outside of that, yeah, there was one other thing I wanted to cover as part of the news, and uh, that we'll, we'll, we'll kind of circle back to this now. Um, I got approached by some folks who had been working on a project called the Uncensored Library, a collaboration between Blockworks, Build Team, and several other kind of uh, non-profit organizations worldwide. 
Um, and this is really interesting, and it's potentially kind of controversial, um, but Minecraft is still available in many countries which practice heavy media censorship and block certain websites. Um, and the project, the Uncensored Library, is available as both a world download and a multiplayer server, and it is effectively using Minecraft to bypass government surveillance and allow people to read journalism and uh, literature which has been banned or censored in their countries of residence um, through written books, effectively. It's the kind of thing that would be very difficult to scan and filter because it all exists as encoded data within a Minecraft world rather than just being out there on the internet in plain text that a bot could scan and automated systems could filter. Uh, this project was launched on March 12th, which was declared the World Day Against Internet Censorship. We have a link to a TechCrunch article in the show notes as well as the website itself. And while I said at the time that I'm not certain I wanted to promote this on my channel necessarily because it's kind of a tonal shift from the kind of lighthearted, you know, Minecraft tutorial content that I typically make, I thought it was worth raising here where the discussion we can be a little bit more mature and people who are podcast listeners might be a little bit more interested in this. So uh, the Uncensored Library uh, can be found at www.uncensoredlibrary.com. Uh, and it's it's an interesting project. And I would say a very important one. Yeah. Uh, I'll lead everything I'm going to say here with the obligatory disclaimer that I'm a middle-aged white Canadian male. Yep, so, same same but British, yeah. Yeah, so a, lo a lot of this kind of stuff, I can't speak to the importance from personal experience, yeah. but you know, in the world we live in today, I think that freedom of speech and freedom of information just makes everyone stronger better more intelligent like it's important that this kind of stuff is accessible uh especially when you're talking about um, something that they mentioned on their website oh, i watched their little intro video and which is a very easy watch by the way it's a couple of minutes it's beautiful um but also a lot of really good information coming your way um just aiming at the younger generation like the minecraft generation coming up into this world where some of the things that their government that they uh live under may be blocking in terms of internet access you know you think about um communist countries and things that may not give full internet access you know to to their um citizens um in terms of the world internet access it might be more controlled yeah uh i'm just concerned that with the amount of publicity this is getting in terms of TechCrunch, cnn business and gizmodo that it might give the same authorities they're trying to circumvent a reason to block or ban minecraft so not just this map not just this part of minecraft but they just might come down and be like nope no minecraft um yeah that, that is unfortunate and i but at the same time i mean like jurassic park you know <laughs> life finds a way yeah exactly. i feel like if it does then it'll just it'll just go underground and you'll have to access it a different way yeah it's um, it's, it's one of those sort of situations where people could circulate it in private once they've downloaded it as well is mm -hmm. if, if the information exists sure maybe nothing new could be added to it but once somebody's got the world download they can hand it over on a freaking floppy disk or yep. if they want to you know that there are there are so many ways that can circulate that now are able to fly under the radar a little bit if it circulates in physical space and while obviously yeah we understand that citizens can often get in trouble for sharing information like this to a lot of people it is much more important that the information is out there and freedom of the press exists and mm -hmm. so forth and yeah like you i have very limited personal experience with this kind of thing but i think it's a a really interesting idea a really interesting use of minecraft and the minecraft community 
and yeah. i wanted to at least raise some awareness of it while not signposting it because like you said i i worry that yes it would give authorities the reason to block or ban minecraft in their countries and i don't know how much of that system just remains automated and they just let it run once they have you know a decent filter in place they can't concern themselves with tracking down every other way information can be circulated yeah so maybe minecraft is just under the radar enough or the fact that they've probably presumably blocked cnn and gizmodo and other sites because they will distribute well, information that, like there's this. that too yeah yeah there, there's there there is that too like is this going to actually reach those countries because if they're blocking this kind of information well then they might actually be operating in a, in a pretty safe zone i just think it's brilliant like i yeah. just the idea of writing a news article that would otherwise be blocked in on the internet in a minecraft book with the recent changes to books uh are there 100 pages or 30 pages i can't remember how long yeah um, but there it's a there, you can get a decent certainly an article you know mm -hmm. i don't know about a novel but you could certainly get an article into one of these minecraft books or a couple of books uh quite easily and given the amount of languages that minecraft is available in i mean it's perfect like you can because in some of the screenshots like i'm just like oh, i wonder what they're writing i'm just like well of course i can't read it <laughs> because yeah. it's, not, it's not in english you know um and that's it's fantastic you know and uh and even if like even if something came down and and it was um and, and it was censored like well what if the books weren't written in any language maybe what if the books were written in code you know like what if you had to have the cipher in order to you know copy paste you know and and read the articles i just i think it's a fascinating idea and uh i mean i I will be signposting it. I don't, I'm not going to be putting it on my YouTube channel, but I'm certainly going to be sharing it on Facebook. And I don't necessarily, I don't share my Minecraft activity a lot on Facebook because a lot of my family and friends are not into Minecraft. Uh, they might have kids that are, but it's not necessarily something that they, they need. However, I have a lot of friends that are teachers mm -hmm. and I would be very interested to hear from them uh, uh, especially anybody that's teaching at even like the university level, like people that are in journalism uh, and, and hearing about this. I think it would be very, very interesting to, to hear about this, uh, their opinions on this, because they would have a level of knowledge that I, and experience in journalism that I just don't have. Yeah. And I, the, the fact that you can have not just the uh, idea of censored material being able to be put out into the world, but the education of the rest of the world in terms of just how censored some of these countries are. Yeah. And, and then having access to these stories and having, you know, knowledge of like, oh, wow, that's terrible. That shouldn't happen. Let's not ever let that happen here. You know, like lesson learned. And so while it, it may take a lot longer for those countries to uh, get into the, get behind the idea of freedom of speech, it also will perpetuate the importance of it in other parts of the world, which yeah. I just, I think it's a, just a really balanced, you know, thing not to mention. And I mean, like we can get into this after I, you know, y you have a chance to, to, to respond as well, but like, it's, it's beautiful. It is yes. the build. I mean, I was tangentially aware of Blockworks from stuff I've probably seen fly by on YouTube, but like looking at, I downloaded the press kit um, from the website to get a closer look and see some of the screenshots. Like it is stunning. Mm -hmm. Uh, in every sense of the world, it is a work of art. And I know that we throw, you know, art and Minecraft and stuff around a lot. Uh, and it can be kind of dismissive because Minecraft's a video game. And I find it harder and harder when I'm meeting new people 
uh, to explain like what I do as part of my living in terms of the podcast and streaming and stuff is centered around Minecraft, which does tend to have like this childlike, you know, association with it. Um, stuff like this though, really makes it easy to point to a very adult situation where Minecraft is a tool uh, for making a political statement, but also a, in every sense of the word, the kind of things that I would see in an art gallery going to art school in the early aughts, this would be the kind of thing that you would see in like an installation. Yeah. You know, like an, a big New York art gallery or Ottawa art gallery would have like millions of books on the wall with stories from around the world. And it would be overwhelming with the, you know, the, the sense of oppression and stuff that you might feel walking into that room. The sense, the scale of information and the scale of the build to me kind of harmonize in this in this piece this map this uncensored library and it's just it's i i struggle for the right words because i'm not smart enough <laughs> you know what i mean like i just <laughs> i don't have that experience but i really encourage all of our listeners to go at least look at the main website and just get get the gist and just kind of learn the kind of things that are capable uh, of happening in minecraft yeah that, that's part of the, another part of the reason that i um didn't end up making a youtube video about this was i'm not sure i have the social and political acumen to really like fully describe what yeah, this means it's hard. um but yeah like like you said I, i've said basically all i want to say about it here on the podcast but if people want to go and check that out of course links will be in the description highly recommend you check this out if you have any interest in world news in world events social and political discourse it's definitely worth your time uh but we should move on to discourse that is a little bit closer to home and uh chat about some of the chunk mail we've received this is going to be our chunk mail dispenser episode for the month of march we have a few emails here that we would like to get to starting with this one from michael which has the simple subject of nether pots so it's hello johnny and joel i was thinking about things that could be added in for the nether update as smaller details and my mind went directly to flower pots we've had them for years and the recipe has always been three bricks we also have nether bricks so why not a nether brick flower pot it would be something subtle that could really help to blend decorations and would likely look great in those piglin bastions as always loving the podcast and keep up the great work michael thanks michael keeping it short and sweet which we appreciate and personally i have no complaints here I mean, it, it adds more variety to things where there's only one option right now, and flower pots don't fit with everything, considering that bricks made from netherrack are consistently, they look basically the same as clay bricks. It makes perfect sense to me. I would love to see these. What about you, Joel? I agree, and I think that, like, the precedent with nether bricks being an item is a thing, and sub blocks, like, the, that can really add a lot to a build, and not just for, like, putting your. Uh, your warped fungi or, or fungus in, but like pinnacles at the posts of tower walls, mm. uh, wall sconces, uh, hanging fixtures or weights, uh, floating light sources, almost like paper lanterns. You know, there's a bunch of different things that you can do uh, with with flower pots. Yes. Uh, and, and I think that if you translate them to a nether brick you know, colored flower pot, it would just open up a lot of building opportunities for having some some of those sub-block details that we all kind of like drool over when something new yes. <laughs> comes in. Yeah, yeah, uh, I yeah. think it's a great idea. Definitely. Uh, I mean, the, and the model already exists too. It would be a retexture, you know, like it would not be not be crazy. Uh, yeah. I would. I, I wonder if this is even possible with data packs, like with an Optifine thing. I wonder if you could just do it, you know, on I, your I, own to kind of see I imagine you like. could with Optifine, yeah. And I, it seems like the kind of thing that the mods like Quark, the kind of vanilla plus mods would already have done. Uh, yeah. so, so that seems likely. I'm going to give a quick shout out here to Gibbet Gaming, who is a Twitch streamer who actually um, initially saw the potential of having 
lanterns, the kind of newish iron lanterns attached to the underside of floating flower pots and has used that to create a scene where uh, there's a bunch of them being released like paper lanterns would be above a lake in a kind of jungle build project that he was working on. And yeah, it, it's really effective in a large quantity of those and they look picture perfect. They have that kind of almost like, I guess, like hourglass shape looking thing when you put the lantern underneath the flower pot. But it does look like the flower pot is, you know, providing some lift via the flame, that kind of hot air balloon effect. But lots of them going out over a jungle lake looks really pretty. Yes, that's where I saw it. Actually, I was mm. struggling to remember the, the 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 where I saw it. So I'm glad I'm glad you gave, gave the shout out because I was like I I wish I should have looked this up before the show. <laughs> yeah. Um. Next email comes in from Jack slash Dragon Ruler twenty seven Smithing OP. Hey guys, I'm a huge fan of the podcast and am actually listening to the most recent one right now. Well, no, you're not. You're not listening to this one. You're listening to the last one. You're behind. Sorry. Well, well, if he's hearing this one now, then he is listening to the most recent we, we, one. Congrats. Um, time time is, is, hard. is weird. Yeah. What time zone are you in? I'm, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm teasing Jack. Uh, I feel like the new smithing table functionality isn't that useful because you can only upgrade to netherite. What if you could upgrade any tools to the next tier without losing your enchants? Uh, I am currently using an iron sword because I got really good enchants on it. Would this functionality be too overpowered or feel too modded? What do you think? Thanks for the great show, Jack, aka Dragon Ruler Twenty Seven. Yeah, um, I think I touched on this last week uh, because of the changes to smithing table functionality. I think it might be a little too OP to upgrade iron tools to diamond with just a single diamond, the way we currently upgrade diamond tools to netherite with a single netherite ingot. And that's primarily because netherite is so rare. Um, maybe if three diamonds were required for a full upgrade, or maybe it had an effect on the remaining durability of an iron uh, of an iron tool going to a diamond tool, like it kept the, like, the maximum amount of durability an iron tool can have, which I think is somewhere in the 300, 400 kind of range. Like, if you ended up with a diamond pickaxe that only had 400 durability, then, yeah, maybe that would maybe that would make sense to me. But I think it might be a little bit overpowered to only require one diamond for a tool upgrade at that stage. That seems a little bit much. And it's also taking away functionality from other areas of the game, is making diamonds less valuable by doing that in a way, um, which I don't think is necessary for a single player, especially right now, because I have tons of diamonds that I just don't need to use because I have mending on all of my gear. Um, one thing I've hoped for from the smithing table from the beginning is the ability to maybe augment aspects of existing tools using better materials but not necessarily transform them completely so you're not getting an iron pickaxe that transforms into a diamond pickaxe you're getting an iron pickaxe that's maybe reinforced in certain areas with diamonds which still means it has the iron level of being able to acquire materials but maybe has a little bit of extra durability thanks to a diamond that's mm. kind of holding it together in the center or something like that that could be really cool too. I when I was reading uh, Jack's email, I was thinking about like you know smithing table versus anvil. It's like, well, what if you could just take the two tools and combine them? It's like, well, no, you can do that on, you can do that on an anvil, but it has to be like two diamond pickaxes, and then yeah. you get one pickaxe that has the combined uh, uh, enchants of both, but you lose one of those pickaxes. So like yeah. you go from having essentially six diamonds to having three diamonds. You know, you, so the cost is the is one of the pickaxes physically is sacrificed. Um, with the smithing table, and this is kind of like a far cry for it. I, I don't really know what they have in mind. I mean, netherite, sure, but uh, for anything beyond netherite, I'm not sure what or if they're going to be doing anything. Uh, and if it's anything like the blast furnace, like I hope it's more useful than that. Yeah. Uh, 
the thing that had me thinking was the combination of uh, maybe being able to put a speed potion uh, on your tool. So instead mm -hmm. of you being faster, maybe it increases the haste of, of a pickaxe. So you pickaxe plus um, potion of swiftness equals faster pickaxe. Is it permanently faster? Is it only faster for eight minutes of use? Does it stop durability after you uh, after you run out? Mm -hmm. Like, does it does the pickaxe die? What if you have speed and your pickaxe has speed? Um, like, does that make you doubly fast? How does that compare to a beacon? Like, there's all these kind of things that the questions that come up and it gets very complicated very quickly. So I just don't know where they're going with the smithing table. I'm very curious. Yeah, I think it's going to be one of those things of just a wait and see at this stage. I think the mm -hmm. community has had so much time to put in you know suggestions about what the smithing table could do since it's had no functionality since 1.14 released uh yeah i think there there is still a lot of a lot of possibilities with the smithing table but it's so difficult to find a balance at this stage because the existing status quo has been that way for a while and anything i think is going to feel modded everything feels modded until it's been in vanilla for two weeks i think is a tweet <laughs> il mango made a while ago and i, I think i i said something similar uh, a little while ago was just like yeah everything feels modded until mojang actually adds it to the game and then you get used to it and then it just feels like part of vanilla now like bees everyone was like this mm -hmm. feels so modded to me and now bees are just like a, a fact of life in vanilla minecraft and nobody thinks twice about it so yeah same with villager workstations and so forth it's just gonna be a little bit different and as long as it's balanced i feel like it's gonna belong in vanilla once we've had time to spend time with that feature uh the next email comes in from mech morphic who is a landscape artist member of our discord thank you for your email uh this is in regards to random minor features says howdy joel and johnny last episode you mentioned that it would be humorous if hoglins ate the items of any piglin they killed Instantly, I thought that if Hoglins could eat any dropped item, Mumbo Jumbo of Hermitcraft would soon create single item transportation systems involving Hoglins. Are there any other random minor features you would like to see added to Minecraft, either just for the joke of it or to make possible an incredibly inefficient contraption? Wonderful podcast, Mechmorphic. My brain goes to mob behavior because I think he, where he brought up the Hoglins in the email. Similar to how cats scare creepers, and how dogs will go after skeletons, uh, and you know mushrooms and 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 uh, and hoglins. Like I just I feel like there could be some really fun things that could happen. For example, birds. Give me birds. Black cap chickadees specifically, please and thank you. Uh, but if that happens, what if cats are then drawn to birds? Uh, if you could somehow make a bird feeder and have birds around. Maybe it would be the way to control the movement of cats. I don't know how useful or not useful that could be. Maybe if there's creepers nearby, I don't know. But I, some sort of behavioral thing is what kind of comes comes to mind for me uh, in this. I also feel like I had an idea earlier on in the show, and then I've completely lost it by now. So <laughs> I don't know what else I was going to think of in terms of small features. Um, but I also would like to see something like various dog breeds in the game. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think it it would really affect much, much like, I mean, different cat breeds don't affect anything other than just like some fun aesthetics. You can get a black cat or you can get like a, a you know, tabby cat, that sort of thing, all white. Uh, just fun, just like little, little touches that kind of help with some life and immersion and variety of things as opposed to having three cats and they all look exactly the same. Yeah. Um, I get that it's a challenge with dogs being different sizes based on different breeds. I mean, there are some breeds that are roughly the same size, you know, German Shepherd, uh, uh, border collie 
uh, gold retriever. They're they're kind of roughly the same dog leg shape. Um, so I get that it's it's a it's a challenge. But come on, I mean, like Minecraft pug. It's a box already. <laughs> yeah, they are. The, they're known for being stocky. Like yeah, like a little <laughs> French bulldog or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I th- I think I think dog breeds seem like a logical step after cat breeds and. I feel like there are definitely ways you could do it. I think the main problem is the transformative element because they all start out as wolves. That's the existing mechanic for how dogs work in Minecraft right now. And otherwise you just have... It's kind of like the stray cat situation already feels a little bit strange, but then you have a bunch of stray dogs and you walk around your world going, who's abandoned all these dogs? And why Mm. are they just in the forest now? So it's a strange situation. But yeah, I I would also... Yeah, I, I I think it's overdue at this point for different dog breeds to be a thing and not just in a texture pack um i hate to be a broken record but i'm still holding out for ostriches which um <laughs> are the, one of the features that they suggested as part of the update to savannas uh, that was voted for a while ago and uh, the vote ended up coming down in favor of tiger but savannah was a close second and i really like um, ostriches are my favorite animal they're just so dopey looking they they look so weirdly inefficient in a way it's just this mad giant bird body on these kind of spindly legs they look so funny when they run um i'm still very interested to see ostriches and just what they do in general if we can ride them if they're just going to be like vaguely antagonistic to us like llamas can be if you attack them you know there's Mm -hmm. There's stuff like that, but again, they are just minor. They would add a lot of entertainment to savannah biomes for me. I have a feeling once one of them got into one of those like super tall shattered savannah things, you would just see ostriches occasionally leaping to their death. But overall, I think it would be uh, kind of a fun addition. And I get questions about minor features all the time, and I'm running short on answers at this stage. So I think ostriches is probably going to be my blanket response for the foreseeable future until they're added, and then I'll probably pick something else. Hmm. Next email comes from Daniel H slash Telemonian Dan, soft reset. Hey, Pix and Joel, loved the recent conversation about when to reset your world, and I figured I'd toss in my two gold nuggets. I started <laughs> playing Minecraft in 1.9, and for a while, I kept the same world going from update to update. Unfortunately, around the release of 1.13, my PC died, and I lost my old world, so I had to start fresh. Backups, people! RIP that PC. F's in the chat. <laughs> Yeah, that sucks. Um, Since starting anew, I've kept mostly the same world with periodic soft resets, quote unquote, where I pack up a few basic materials, torches, food, bed, tools, etc., and set off exploring until I find an area that sparks a new wave of inspiration. I find that really helps me avoid getting burned out, especially since I get a lot of inspiration from cool and unique Minecraft terrain. I seldom use the nether except for mining quartz and soul sand, so the nether update shouldn't be an issue for me. I'm more concerned about the future biome update. Somebody else wants ostriches. Uh, I update... Uh, or since I've explored a lot of the biomes and I don't really have the technical savvy to uh, selectively reset chunks, uh, any advice on easy to use methods for updating a world with an update as comprehensive as the mountain or savannah updates? Love the show. Keep up the great content. Telemonian Dan. Fun username, Dan. Um, MC Selector, if you're on Java Edition, Pix did a great tutorial on it. I've used the tutorial. I've used MC Selector. I used it on the Sizzle Overworld, which has a lot of spotty and delicate places. Um, when one fourteen came out, I was trimming chunks back to the essentials to get as many of the new villages close to existing build areas as possible, and it worked like a treat. I did, however, do it on a backup. <laughs> so yes. You want, you want to mess around with that to make sure you don't screw anything up, save a couple versions, uh, upload it, make sure everything's working. Uh, but I found it, I'm, I mean, I'm tech savvy-ish, but in terms of like 
Minecraft tech, I'm still relatively new. I've only been playing Minecraft for three years and I've only been comfortable to get under the hood for the last year or so. So it was new to me to have this third-party application that I had to then use to trim chunks and stuff. But uh, Johnny's tutorial was fantastic and um, we'll have a link to it in the show notes. Uh, go check it out, at least watch it so you can have an idea of what's involved. Uh, I did not find it that hard, especially if it's a world that you are as intimately aware of uh, as what you've, you know, a world that you've been playing in for a while. Uh, and if it's just a single player thing, like then there's no one else. You don't have to, like I had to worry about deleting someone's builds that I didn't know were there. So I had to message server mates and be like, hey, so I'm trimming chunks. Can you let me know if there's anything like super important that you want me to trim back? And thankfully everybody was kind of around the same continent. So outside of a couple outlying areas, I was just able to trim everything back to the coastline and we were done. Um, yeah. So it can be more simple than you think. Yeah, and th thank you for mentioning the video. Uh, one thing I didn't cover in that video in particular, because at the time with that release of MCA Selector, I think I had trouble getting it to work, but I will probably come back with MCA Selector when the Nether update rolls around and do another quick tutorial on that anyway. The latest version has some really effective filters, and they've been present in previous versions as well, but I had trouble getting them to work the first time around. Uh, but you can set up effectively a set of rules and it will automatically select chunks according to those rules. In particular, the one you will find useful is that you can select only chunks which have been visited for less than a certain amount of time or more than a certain amount of time. So if you want to delete a bunch of chunks from your world which you know you haven't built anything in, you haven't spent very long there, you probably haven't even made a nether portal out there or anything like that, uh, set up a rule. I think it's in the filtered chunks section. There's like a drop-down menu for it and set it up with a less than sign and then type 500s in there and it will select only chunks which have been visited for less than 500 seconds. Um, I used that recently to trim down my patron server which has just reset in 1.15.2, uh, kind of the same way Hermitcraft is with a view to resetting the nether in its entirety in 1.16, which is just going to be a matter of deleting that whole dimension folder, but if you don't want to do that, I used MCA Selector to trim down my patron server from 11 gigabytes on disk to a 1 gigabyte world download, and that was all through selecting chunks that people had just flown through in order to get to biomes that they were trying to find, or woodland mansions, or ocean monuments, or something like that. The central area around spawn had been much more heavily explored and lived in for longer, and that was completely untouched by the selection that it made. So the tools that MCA Selector provides to filter certain chunks, I think it even tracks blocks that aren't native to certain places and like player placed blocks. So if you want to preserve uh, you know, your nether dimension, for example, and make sure you don't delete an area that has obsidian placed in it, then that means you're not going to delete anywhere that has a nether portal, and you can maybe set a radius around those. It's very, very good. It's not a full world editing tool in the sense that you can't necessarily copy and paste easily from world to world, but it's very much good for trimming down worlds uh, when you want to get rid of redundant chunks and update biomes that you haven't spent too much time in. So yeah, MCA Selector, highly recommended. Link will be in the show notes. If you want to practice, uh, maybe practice on an end dimension where, you know, resetting the end outer islands wouldn't necessarily be the end of the world as long yes. as you don't have anything. If you've only farmed and you've not built anything, then you're just going to get more shulker boxes and more cities. And it's going to be very clear where the end island is in the middle and where the outer end islands are. And so there's less opportunity to, to mess up if you want something to practice. Yeah. On. 
the tool gives you a top-down overview of the dimension, which is a lot harder to interpret in the nether, but in the end and the overworld, it makes a lot more sense. And yeah, I, I second that, actually. Pr practice on the end, and you'll know what you're deleting and what you're not. Uh, one last email for the episode. This one comes through from AK33. It says, Hello, Mr. Joel and Sir Pix. Hopefully you've been knighted by now. <laughs> Pretty sure the Queen isn't aware of my services to Minecraft, but there we go anyway. Uh, my survival world is a forever world that I've been working on for the past five years. However, about a week ago, I accidentally deleted my world and the backup on accident. Luckily, I had an emergency backup from around six months ago. Uh, while I was pretty upset at first, I've now taken it upon myself to redo the builds that I lost and make them even better. With that said, have you ever thought about remaking or updating one or multiple of your builds? Do you think it's a good thing to do, or do you like to have a contrast between your old and new building styles in your worlds? Thanks for the amazing Minecraft podcast, AK33. Thanks for that. That's that's a really interesting one. What do you think on this, Joel? Do you tend to revise your builds as you go, or do you leave them as a a sign of the things that you used to do? I do sometimes rework things if a new block or new feature is added. Uh, for example, uh, water elevators versus long ladders uh, in places where it just makes the quality of life a lot better, like my mine or you know certain areas that it would make sense. For example, the city. If the city was built before water elevators, you can bet your butt that I would be adding water elevators when they first came out. Yeah, uh, yeah which definitely. might involve redesigning some things. But you know what? Buildings get renovated all the time. You know, like, so it depends on how RP you want to be. You know, in your world, um, artistically though, I do try to avoid. Uh, redoing things for a number of reasons. Uh, I like to see the progression in art in my favorite artists. Uh, I don't go back and redraw my old comics because I'll get comments from people that read my book saying like, hey, uh, when you were first drawing Starcrossed in um, 2009, for those of you that don't, don't know, I used to have a, a comic strip um, that was done weekly and I did it for like six or seven years. And so when you get to the most recent comic, you know, 200 comics later, the drawing style has changed, not dramatically, uh, from comic to comic, but when you look over the course of nine years, you just get better at it. Think about how your handwriting changes from you when you're a small kid to, to being an adult, um, for, for better or worse. Um, and, and so what that allows me to do is go back and see things. And I can go back and say like, huh, I've actually picked up a bad habit of, you know, drawing my character this way. Or in Minecraft, you know, I've actually picked up a bad habit of repeating this same build over and over again. So if I go back and look at old builds and go, wow, I really did a lot of these like three wide door things. I might make the decision on my next build to be like, okay, rule, no three wide doors. Everything has to be either bigger or smaller. I just can't do this safe thing over again and so i find that if you erase all of your mistakes uh then you don't you sometimes will forget what they were you need to have them to be referenced uh it also helps for good things like if you really like the way that you built a windmill and you have to build another one if you've changed it a couple of times and you're not happy with the change then you have to try to remember how the old one looked and you might have a screenshot but I, for me it's it's more of a consistent thing uh, it's also a time thing I, I mean, people in my chat will be the first to tell you that I'm a perfectionist. And if I allowed myself to change things that I was building on, we would still be in the meadows. We would still, there'd be <laughs> four buildings in Dartmouth Meadows and they'd be like changed a hundred times and it just, yeah. it just never would have moved on. But like the building that I live in in the meadows is a five by seven log cabin. <laughs> it's three years old. <laughs> it's got six chests in it and that's it. And it is, it is day one Minecraft, but 
it works, you know, and it's a nice reminder of humble beginnings and simple things. And you don't need to build these giant things. It's just fun to do it. So I, that's kind of where I stand on it. I don't necessarily go back and change everything, but it is nice to go back and tweak things like tweaking all the farms when 113 came out. That was fun. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I think it, it's, I'm on the same page, really, if there's like occasional small things I can tweak, especially on interiors, to make things a little bit more, better for quality of life, then that's that's totally fine for me. Um, I've avoided tearing down too much of the stuff I build in my world, but that's primarily because of it, the, the context of it being part of a YouTube series, and it's a nice reminder of how far the series has come when I go back to my original like farmhouse build, which is still pretty, you know, practical and, and decent looking. There's a lot of stuff I could have done differently to make it look nicer. And there's some stuff that would probably make it more in proportion with the other stuff I've built in the world. But I figure if I eventually release a world download, people have seen that building enough that they'd kind of be disappointed if they went back and it wasn't there because um, that's been there for 300 episodes of the survival guide at this point so i feel like it's it's probably a good idea to to move forward constantly besides which uh, if you spend time taking down something that you want to rebuild then for me that is time wasted that i could be spending on building something new somewhere else there is as i've discovered with this mapping project so much space in the world to build new stuff that aside from reclaiming resources from a build, it doesn't necessarily seem productive to me to spend time taking down and rebuilding the same thing multiple times. Now, in your case, of course, if you're rebuilding things because you lost them in, you know, file loss and that kind of stuff, that's a different story. But I, I've never really seen the point in rebuilding things. Instead, I like to go somewhere else and build them again, but better and iterate on that stuff and see the progression of things. Like Joel says, seeing how you've improved over the years and how you have learned from your mistakes and that's that's an important lesson to learn i think but it's it's definitely my approach to to building i i hardly ever rebuild stuff i add to it maybe but i don't think i ever rebuild it from the ground up i yeah i would agree and i i have a couple of other examples from the citadel that might be a little bit more um they might lend more to like multiplayer servers so the iron farm that we have has a certain aesthetic to it because it was built in 1.12. Mm -hmm. uh, the new iron mechanics actually fit inside the existing, so I didn't have to tear it down. I could have. I could have built a much more efficient, smaller, you know, thing, but I just didn't want to change all the work that I did. So I just, I was able to kind of like meld them both, hide the new tech inside the old build and just be like, well, fine. It just, it, it will confuse everyone because it's like, why do you have 40 doors around your iron farm? You don't need that. And yeah. there's, there's a story there. Um, but the other thing is that sometimes, not all the time, uh, if uh, a member of the server is no longer online and uh, is okay with it, because I did check, um, we tore down uh, a large mountain build that was looming over the meadows and it wasn't exactly, uh, it was from the early days, it was from a member that played very briefly and then just never came back. Uh, and there was just a lot of things, that it was just causing a bit of, you know, a for the vision that we had for the meadows, it wasn't really working out. And me and Alistair tore that down. And it was satisfying. <laughs> I will say yeah. like getting something kind of not, not really to the aesthetic of the server that you wanted to, to take down uh, out of the way uh, is great. Um, you get a lot of resources back, but it's, it's a touchy situation. Like on the flip side, sometimes you might have someone that has done a fantastic build that is just no longer on the server. And then it would be kind of sad to take that down because, well, they're not there anymore, but it's very much a piece of the history of the server. And so there's, there's kind of a double-edged sword to that too. 
Definitely. Uh, well, folks, if you have any uh, any way to weigh in on this discussion, if you have rebuilt significant stuff in your world, uh, and and you feel like we're we're crazy for not sort of iterating on stuff that already exists and rebuilding it bigger and better, let us know. You can email the show. Uh, Joel will have the email address for you in a second. But for today, that's going to wrap up this episode of the Spawn Chunks. You can find some more information about the show and links to some of the stuff we've talked about today at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show is composed by me, and The Spawn Chunks is proud as ever to be a listener-supported podcast. If you get some value out of the show, why not consider putting some value back in? You can do that at patreon.com slash thespawnchunks. Joining the community gets you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat and gets us closer to our next goal of recording the podcast live in Discord so that our patrons can listen in. We're currently at 165 patrons, which is another increase from last week. Thank you so much for your support. There is, of course, always room for more. And special thanks go out to our content engineers, Cameron Sigelski, Greener Canuck, JD Williamson, and Yitz for supporting this episode. Sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show. You can find us at The Spun Chunks on Twitter and Instagram, but personal recommendations are by far the best way to share the podcast. Server mates and other places where you talk about Minecraft or just poke a friend in the arm. Hey, we're already talking about Minecraft. You should listen to this show because I enjoy it. You can email the show at thespunchunks at gmail.com. Subscribe on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, or YouTube. Uh, and that's about it. No, wait, that's not it. RSS feed. I knew there was one more. The RSS feed is linked on thespunchunks.com. And of course, the patron-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page. And that's where you can listen to the render distance, the extended version of the podcast. My name is Johnny, but online I go by Pixel Riffs, and you can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash where I attempt to make sense of this crazy and wonderful game in a series called The Minecraft Survival Guide. I stream three days a week on Twitch, doing behind-the-scenes work for The Survival Guide back on the mountains on Tuesday this week, and I'm also the voice for the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search and occasionally these days on the YouTube gaming trending page. This is a very weird experience for us. Aside from that, I'm at Pixel Riffs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel where can people find you online everything i am up to online including my illustration and design portfolio is at joelduggan.com if you're interested in hiring me they just drop me a line there my other podcast about sci-fi and fantasy entertainment is called the citadel cafe that's at the citadelcafe.com we record every wednesday and you can follow me at joel duggan on social media today i'll point you towards twitch.tv slash joel duggan you can expect some extra streams in the coming weeks as we are working more and more on the modern city Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite, and you can't fix something without breaking it first.